You're listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 378, brought to you by C2E2 and iFanboy listeners like you. Welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 378. I am Josh Flanagan, and I'm here with Paul Montgomery. Hello. And he has returned, and he doesn't want to talk about it, Connor Kilpatrick. <laughs> the Gators didn't get me. They will. They always will. I almost did get lost in Florida, though. It's one of those modern problems where your, your GPS is on your phone, mm-hmm. and the phone was rapidly running out of battery, mm-hmm. and I would have been lost in the middle of, middle of Florida, not knowing where I was or where to go. But I'm back. It's so humid. Did you visit the set of burn notice? It could. It, what is that? That's Miami. <laughs> it wasn't Miami. It wasn't quite Miami. All of Florida is the same to me. It's just. It was yeah. Jacksonville. It's apparently not. We're going to get in trouble. Let's go. Any further with that? iFanboy.com is our website. It's about comic books because we like them. We read them every week. We read a bunch of them. And then one of us picks the best one. They call that the pick of the week. We read it on the website. And we talk about it here on the podcast along with other books from the week and some, some, other, some other stuff. That's what we do. Before we get going, we're going to tell you what happened in these books because it's a review show and it's impossible or useless to do it otherwise. So if you haven't read your books, either uh, you know run free ahead and screw it or, or uh, come back later after you have. And uh, there you go. This week, Connor still knows how to read. <laughs> Sort of, although he can't seem to follow rules. No. The private eye number one was the pick of the week. And if you don't know, the private eye number one was the bomb that was dropped on the comics industry this week when Brian K. Vaughn and Marcos Martin announced they were doing a digital-only book. And they, they dropped it on the world on Tuesday. It was a pay-as-you-go book. You could pay zero cents. You could pay 100 million cents if you wanted. You could pay whatever you wanted for it. You got a 32-page um, book delivered to you in a DRM-free form in various formats. And I, I got the PDF uh, from them. But... As I said in my review, I really didn't want this to be the pick of the week <laughs> because I knew if I did pick it, there'd be some people who would think, oh, he's just picking it because it's the thing that everyone's talking about. And so therefore, I left... Those people don't know you at or yeah, me at all. exactly. So I left it for last because I just was avoiding it and I, I just didn't want to deal with it. I didn't want to love it and, and you know what I mean? So I just I didn't, I didn't read it until the very last. And... Uh, you know, it was a great week of books. We were talking earlier before the show, and there was there was a lot of great fun books to read. And I actually had one picked, all picked out, ready to go, which we'll talk about in the next segment. As the pick week, I was even writing it in my head as I was reading other books. You know, I'm sure you guys know how that works. But then I read Private Eye last night. I was about halfway through it, and I was like, "Oh crap! This is a, this is the pick of the week. It's not even close." It's the it's the book so nice we reviewed it twice. Exactly. And- so I, re- I reviewed it on Tuesday, and then I was like, I'm, I'm as I'm writing it, I'm like, this is going to this is a re- this review is going to be written a second time. And I because I, could, I couldn't imagine. Purpose. You know, whenever I have the pick, I don't read anybody's reviews on the website because I don't want right. to be, be uh, tainted by it. So the private number one was the pick of the week. It was fantastic. It had nothing to do with the delivery format. Nothing to do with you know changing the game. It just had to do with a great story. And uh, as we know, Brian K. Vaughn is one of the best writers in comics. We talk about him all the time. Saga's fantastic book. It came out this week. He might be the best. Josh might might consider him the best writer in comics right now. I'm yeah. pretty close to that. He'd be in the top five for me. I'd, I'd have to really think about it. But I think he's, he's top three. You should even if you too, look, Josh. Even I will. Even if you, look, I won't. Even if you look over the last like like ten years, oh, absolutely. That he's cumulatively, the top. yeah. And you, I mean, like he's he's top three out of like sort of those guys. He's the one I wouldn't even question putting him there. Yeah, I, I, especially when you think of original concepts. Yeah, like <laughs> yeah. not just you know licensed stuff. I mean, like, but he's written great licensed stuff. Too. And and you've got Marcos Martin, who for me I've loved since he did those the Robin Year One story, the Batgirl Year One story. He's he's mm-hmm. a guy whose style just appeals to me. It's a uh, it's a little uh, Spanish style. It's a little European style. It's very everyone's sort of very lithe and thin, and and uh, it's just a great style. He did Daredevil. He did you know he did um, what was the book he did that we really loved? Uh, Doctor Strange. Doctor the Strange. The Spider Spider Man. Doctor Spider Man. Spider Man. The issues of Spider Man were fantastic. He's oh, a great, yeah, that's right. He's a great stuff. artist. Vaughn's a great writer. So here's the story. It's it's the story of a private eye in the future in a world where the internet. At one point, imploded, spilling everyone's secrets out into the world. So they're out now. There's no more internet, and everyone's privacy is at a premium. It's the most important thing in the world. You can't even photograph someone without their permission; otherwise, it's a crime. And then it's a PI story set in this world where, you know, there's a PI. He's got an office. A girl walks in. She's beautiful. She's got a case. The case it gets complicated, and away we go. 
And she happens to have a tiger face. Well, that's the thing. Everyone sort of walks around wearing costumes and masks and holographic masks because they don't want to be seen. They don't want. They want to be left alone. And mm-hmm. so you've got this world that he has envisioned that's just fantastic. You know, there's a couple of great spreads. This is done in widescreen format to fit your tablet or a widescreen computer monitor device. A couple of great vistas of the world with the with the cars that aren't quite flying cars, but they hover a little bit with the right. everyone walking around in costumes. And this is taking place in Los Angeles where there's a robust train system. Those 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 costumes must be air conditioned or we or or we fixed we fixed things. Right. There's a giant dome over Southern California. And the the amount of imagination that he puts into these worlds that he builds, he builds these really compelling and real feeling worlds it feels like a place you could be and it feels like there's a lot of detail even though he hasn't given us much but you fill it in yourself just through the art and through the characters and well if you go for if you other than saga it doesn't really fall into this but if you go and you look at the other stuff that he's been really successful with which is why the last man and and ex machina and they're worlds that are that are our worlds, but they're just a, a like you add. They're either a step beyond, or you you add another element. But they're all built on our world that came before them. Which is the best way to do it because it's relatable instantly, even if it's a little different. And the reason that uh, you know I was enjoying this book fine, and I got to the point where he goes to see his father, and I realized where we were and what we were doing. Mm-hmm. His grandfather, actually. Oh, sorry, grandfather, and and we. And it instantly became clear to me that what the what the sort of setup here and the message was, and I was like, "That's amazing! That's genius! Mm-hmm. It's a backlash of social media." Yeah, I love the grandfather. He is the he's basically a kid today, grown up. You know, he's got his broken iPhone. He's covered in tattoos. He's I, I love it because I've looked at those guys, you know, because they're everywhere, and just yeah. thought, "What's what's really going to be like when they're old?" And it's just it's a really fascinating uh, extension of, of where we are now in a certain direction that it could go. And I was, I was super impressed because it's kind of the opposite of what most people assume. Right. It's, a, it's uh. this great blend of like classical, like noir detective storytelling, just a great PR story with a femme fatale, like you said. But then there's also just, it's something really prescient about it. And it's, it's totally believable. And like you said, it's just a smidgen off from where we are today. And so it's like a, like a Brian K. Vaughn story where it's like, it's just <laughs> he has an next, old mini. <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it's like next week, you yeah. know, or like in, yeah. in this case, it's, it takes place in the year uh, 2076. It's the, the tricentennial. And it's, it's sort of a great choice to make it the, you know, the birthday of the United States. And so it's, it's also like looking at where we might end up and also looking at where we've been. And you have this great character who's kind of nostalgic about the old days and he has a lot of vinyl. And he's got these uh, like the Maltese uh, Falcon poster up in his office and hard copy books, which I'm sure everyone, you know, was reading, you know, e-books. We haven't we haven't sort of gotten to like if e-books are still around because there's well, there's no Internet. Um, they wouldn't be around. Yeah. That's- so I guess still, yeah, they wouldn't be around. So it's so everyone's going back to reading like, you know, he, he's reading the uh, the Barack Obama uh, memoir. The audacity of hope is in there, and then, but then also when he's talking to his grandfather, he's like he he's a little bit mystified by, you know his uh, his grandfather's attachment to his his iPhone and wanting to be able to to check his updates on there, and that's something that's relatable to us. So it's kind of funny that we can see him being completely like just just mystified and and what like why was this so important to you, and why are you still clinging on to this thing that's been broken for decades probably. You know, it was a really interesting thing that's sort of related to that as you went through this because this was completely independent and it wasn't associated with any publishers or companies like that. This thing is chock full of of actual uh, signage and logos of of companies and and it's so strange how off-putting that is because you're not used to seeing it. Except for the marijuana cigarette box. Yeah, but even that is clearly like – Marlboro, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Marlboro I mean, marijuana that's cigarettes. Actually, mm-hmm. That's usually what you Which see, is, and that's what's, what's going to happen in twenty years. We're going to have Marlboro mar- marijuana. Yeah, cigarettes no, I know, but but like you see the gap sign, it's the same, and like even like the the album covers and stuff the like Chateau that. They're, yeah. yeah, they're real. Like those are actual places, and and like you won't see that, or like the big MTV sign in in the grandfather's house, and like you you won't see that stuff. Kodak. You know, in most yeah. books, because they'll they'll change it. You know, like when you're growing up and you'd watch, and they'd be drinking beer instead of Budweiser. You know, that's, that's just, a really good point. Uh, it's just one of those things where you, you talk about what happens when something's not corporate as opposed to what it is, and it adds a level of, oh, this is really supposed to be our world. This is, um, yeah. just, I th- I it, think it was amazing it, how much it stuck out to me. I think what it all comes down to is just this really great, not 
so in your face world building where he's he's getting across a lot of information both of them are uh he and the artist are getting across a lot of information about where the world has gone just through seeing just like through panning around his office and and seeing the different items that are on the desk and the different things that are important to him the different possessions that he has the different the signage like you said that one of the really interesting ones in the beginning is seeing the the los angeles times uh advertisement on the train and it's you know it's your your tax dollars at work mm-hmm. and and um the detective who's chasing him is you know air quotes detective he's actually a licensed reporter and so a lot of law enforcement is tied into reporting the press yeah and, i see it like and, that and the press too. says he's a member of the fourth estate and but um, also you can also take it out to the extension that current popular media or news will fail and the only way to keep a newspaper going would be to publicly fund it and mm-hmm. then that gets sticky after that. Like you know, it, it sounds just, like the like, press has subsumed law enforcement. Well, what also, but like it's on a train. A train is another thing that was not a public service, and now like the today the federal government you know props up trains financially. So you could see that to an, of the of the press, and then that gets hairy. And there's just all these little little tiny things to think about. Let's, yeah, and that that all go that all goes to information being power. So yeah, the press who is in charge of you know reporting on things. They're, they're the ones who are involved in your information and, and all this privacy and stuff. So Let's talk a minute about Marcos Martin, who, I, you know, I love the story, but for me as much as anything, it was the, these widescreen sweeping panels that Marcos Martin did made the book as appealing as anything. It was a really good example of using a traditional comic book language, but in the format of our, de- our modern devices. It was formatted just a little differently. The panels were laid out just a little differently. And it's not, it's not, uh, it's, it's been done before. It's not a new thing no. or anything like that. But um, one of the things that actually honestly scares me, and I'm very, I'm very much I'm for the future, but the traditionalist in me really likes the way that a comic book page works. And I don't like the idea of like changing how the comic book pages are, but I, this is a way that does it that it's very subtle. It still uses the same mechanics, but uh, you know, it's okay. It works like this. I think my favorite one was the – and I liked the, the fact that you sort of swiped it instead of turning the page was when they had – when the girl showed up in the office, she was talking. There was the really close-up profile picture of her mm-hmm. talking. Then you swiped it and it was you know, flopped and it was a profile picture of him. It was a really nice – you know, way to use the technology and you know the page layout. Uh, we don't. You wouldn't be able to do that on a vertical page like that. It would look weird. Yeah, and you get you get to do a, a wide vista, and it doesn't have the seam down the middle with the staples and everything. And um, even if you do that, you know, digitally today, like you're, it's coming from a print format that's two pages, and sometimes it doesn't translate so well. So this looked, it just looked really natural. It was great for the chase scenes yep. across the rooftop. Where they're not using guns, by the way, they're using uh, like a paintball gun because yeah. um, they're going to mark him. Because making someone visible—that's you know—it's the ultimate, like it's the ultimate insult in a way. It's all—it's the ultimate way of um, taking something from someone because that's their privacy, that's their their secrecy. So, There's just a yeah. lot going on here. It's really interesting. I hope you didn't let the format throw you off not not reading it. It, it you know, it, the, it reads just like a regular comic book. It reads like a regular comic, but yeah. it, it just—it's one of the most inventive and fun things I've read in a while, which is not surprising considering who it's coming from. That first chase sequence is basically Mirror's Edge. If you've ever played that game, with the like the parkour and stuff, that's yeah, yeah like sliding down buildings, running across them, like it looks just like yeah, an that. urban like, camouflage. And, yep. You know, yeah. Now we might as well talk about Saga Number Eleven, which is also out this week from Brian K. Vaughan, Fiona Staples. This was the classic Brian K. Vaughan switcheroo, in which the character we thought was dead is not really dead, which allows us to feel happy until another character dies that we like. Lion Cat is okay. Lion Cat it's is all that matters. I, I didn't think he was going to be dead. You didn't? No. No. I don't know why. Well, if you think about it, then yeah, probably it's... But, you know, in the moment, you're like, oh no, I love Lion Cat. That was a great sequence. It was a silent sequence where the Will jumps out of his ship, grabs Lion Cat, uses his lance to you know, swing back into the ship. It was a great sort of economy of storytelling. I'm a, little, I'm a little interested in the science behind all that, like, you know, going into the vacuum of space. Uh, I, I thought about Ryan when I was reading that and wondering what he would think. So I'll have to ask just, him about that later. I just read, I, I know I'm late, but I've been reading Super Gods. Mm-hmm. And he, there's this point where he says, you know, he's talking about Wortham and he says that they're worried about kids not being able to understand reality. And he, goes, and he just made a point. He goes, it's adults who have problems with reality. We just can't help ourselves trying to make stuff make sense when we don't have to. Yep. Brilliant. Okay. You know, I think the the best thing about this continues to be the the characters and the way they interact with each other. These people are on the run, and it's a story about being on the run, but they keep running into interesting people, and the it's, family dynamics are fantastic. It's interesting when you think about that because 
when you're talking about the private eye, we don't know any of those people well enough. And so the dynamic of that was not the same thing. They're very different books. You wouldn't read them and be like, oh, it's the same guy. Right. And this is great in that you get – we get all these great flashbacks to and, – and like lately we've been getting the flashbacks to when they, they first met this couple. And I think we already liked them from the word go in the, in the beginning. Um, but now we're just – we're filling out more of that information and, and, and meeting their extended family as well. And it's, I, think, I think that's the, that's the biggest strength of this book is just you know, caring about these characters so much and being so invested in their story so they can go anywhere. And I'm along for the ride. Because it doesn't seem to be about a story. It's not about you know the, the men dying or whatever. It's just, it seems to be so far, and I could be wrong, he could reveal it later, that it's just about these people. And of course, there'll be some sort of story they're involved in, but for the most part, so far, 11 issues in, it's, you know, I couldn't tell you a plot <laughs> other than just it's hanging out with these really interesting characters. This is like the journey part. This is, right. you know, the, in the, like in, in the uh, Lord of the Rings when they're just there walking for a while. Yeah, but at least get... I, in the Lord of the Rings, you know they were walking to a mountain to do something. Whereas here, That's also, true. They, yeah. they stopped and had lunch a lot of times, <laughs> and then they sang. Yes, they did. This doesn't have those things. <laughs> right. I just want to, I want to make that clear. We also haven't seen the TV guy in a while, the robot. Prince Robot the Fourth? Prince Robot the Fourth, yeah. It's interesting though. I don't really need it, and I haven't even thought about it until you know talk with you guys just now about it. But you know, I don't need it. I just love these characters. And I love well, learning about them. To me, the the I mean, the thing about this book is I'm a reverse priority reader. I read the thing I like the best last. Right. Yeah. Me too. But whenever, yeah, I know. But that's what you. Whenever I see this book, I read this book first. Mm. I can I literally am like, thank thank God that there's this book. And I and I and I read it immediately right a, away because it's a sure thing, you know. Like I like I need this right now, <laughs> you know, for <laughs> whatever's going on in your day. Like, like I, I, just, need I need this. this. You don't understand. Help, help me. <laughs> it's actually it's it, that's actually a really cool thing about the issue format. I think is that you can actually do that, and you're really you're only saying, well, listen, I'm gonna I'm take you can kind of I'm taking ten minutes. I'm reading this. I want I want to see it. I want to know what happens, and and that's gonna make everything a little bit better. It's it's comic book nicotine. Now, the book that I had written the pick of the week in my head for was Justice League number 18. Really? Okay. Jeff Johns and, he- and Jesus says the uh, fill-in artist. And this was the classic membership drive issue in which you yeah. uh, invite everybody to the satellite and watch you've, the bounce off You've written that review before. I know, and it would have been great to write it again. This was the issue where they... <laughs> Copy, paste. Yeah, they, they just bounce everybody off each other, you know, people that don't normally interact. And it's just, this is the classic superhero story that I love so much. But I thought that the fill-in art from, some from a guy who we've loved since, I, I remember first sort of recognizing him in Check. Checkmate. He's great for this book. Yeah. I really enjoyed this art I, quite a bit. I, I always, I'm always, it's always a pleasant surprise because sometimes I, I'm never expecting it when he fills in on a book. But he's, he's fantastic. He's, he, uh, he's just a great classic superhero artist, but he's also just great with, the, you know, this is a, this is a conversation issue. Mm-hmm. I didn't like the script as much. I, like this was really about the, the art for me. And I and I find all the like the, the the new characters kind of interesting. There's what the element woman, element yep. girl, and then what gold rush, gold something, gold gold rush, yeah, gold rush, gold frap, gold rush. Yeah, that's kind of interesting. But then when you have so many characters, then they also tend to get a little one note sometimes. And I think that happened of like a few times in this issue. When it's like this is the young guy, this is you know the this is the outsider, this is that's, that seems to me like that's really typical um, Jeff John structuring. But but it's also really typical team writing. Oh, yeah, I mean that's usually it how can be. Are. I mean I th- I think uh, you know like your that's mileage no may I mean, vary. That's no, different, that's no different than what he did with Justice Justice Society, really. I was thinking that because I was like, I was like, is this just me getting older and wanting a little bit more from from stuff? Because when I came into comics, I was reading Justice Society of America and I loved it. It'll um, happen to you. And yeah. Then so people will think you don't like anything. Right. <laughs> but I don't know. I mean, I uh, when you've got you know fifteen main characters, you you they sort of fall into archetypes just because you don't have a lot of pages for development. And they are narrowing the focus at the end because they yeah. do choose, you know, a, a core team, and, the, and they have the this new girl Adam character. Yeah, Adam, yeah. So that's 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 cool. I like I like the characters they chose yeah. um, at the end uh, when it's all was like said and done. At the beginning, <laughs> there's just way too many people. To keep yeah, that. yeah. There's it's it's too much to latch onto, and so things get to be a little surfacey. So, but I, I, you know, I've been away from this book for a while, um, for a very long while actually. I, I stopped during the first arc, but I'll. You know, I think I might come back for, for this and see where it goes. I also really continue to enjoy the backup, which 
I think once collected together, it will be really interesting. The Shazam story. This is Gary Frank looking really good. Yeah, I was, I was actually just really good. It's fantastic. Yeah. This is a great week of art. We'll talk about that in a couple more books. I mean, I, I always like Gary Frank's art, but this is like particularly like he's his on he's on his game with this. I think it helps. He's doing like five pages a month. Right. Right. <laughs> now, probably for the first and last time. Well, definitely for the first <laughs> time, but probably for the last time. Let's talk about Constantine. I read Josh. it. Josh. <laughs> I'm not going to lie, they, were, they sent it to me, so I wasn't going to buy it. And it's not that, I want to make this clear, it's not that I don't think it can be good, it's not that I have anything against the creators, and it's not that I even, like, I don't even hold it against DC, like, the other book didn't sell, and they've got this property, and they need to try to do something with it. <laughs> I don't think it's a good idea, and I'm not interested in reading, because it really is, like, it's basically taking a thing that was all ages and, and buffing it up. And that's kind of, that's kind of what I thought, basically. The, the cover, which is by um, Ivan Rice, uh, yeah, Ivan Ivan Rice, yeah, it's it. Who's he's a fine artist and he's great, but it's exactly like it doesn't look right. Yeah. It just it's exactly. Well, the, I think the, the cover was the most uh, unconstantine thing about it. Now I, I, it's tough. There was two. I'm not the fan that you are, but there's two things about this I actually did like. One, I like the fact that he let this that his friend die. I, I, well, I was gonna say is that uh, that was very. I was like, okay, that's. That was the character was actually pretty similar. Yeah, it's the surroundings that are the problem. Yeah, no, as they threw away everything else that yeah. that had built up around him, that that had made it really interesting to me. But the character, like you know, he he was thinking of himself. He let his friend die. That's that's pretty much spot on. He was also um, an asshole in this week's uh, sort of sorcery. But also, yeah, but he, I, I, I mean, actually, supposed to be. We disagree on this. I think I actually really quite enjoyed the art. I don't not like the art. I just, I, it just, it's different. It's a, basically, it's a mainstream style applied to a character who hasn't had a mainstream style artist. But I don't even know that he's a mainstream style, though. That's the thing. Like, I, I, I think, think in terms of the, the way that... He's like it, two it, degrees it, off the mainstream style. Maybe, you know I mean? but in terms of the line work, but in terms of like the layouts and everything, it was very, it was pretty standard to me, and especially the at the point when, um, yeah, and the coloring has a lot to do with it, but the, the page, the two-page spread where Sargon, the sorceress, shows up, I was like, ugh, that was just, that's just cliche number 12. Uh, it's just, just like the characters are all—they're not, you know—they're all a little ugly. They're a yeah. little, little misshapen. Like he's pretty—he's—he's he's pretty good looking. Yeah, but I mean, like you know, he's not like—but he's also not like Ivan Reese's version on the cover. Do you know what I mean? Okay, here's here's nice things that I can say about it is that a he was smoking, so that's good. <laughs> B I I I actually thought that Ray Fox and who I, I believe did the majority of writing. Yeah, I, I think, I think just just it, it, but I'm yeah. gonna give script credit to Fox. You know based on no reason. I, I thought he actually did a really good job of writing. And he might be Canadian. He might he be is, American. I think I'm not Canadian, sure. I think. Okay. Well, they did a pretty good job of writing a British-sounding character. A lot of times, American guys suck at it. And I thought that it wasn't, like, amazingly authentic, but there was nothing that, made, that stood out that I was like, oh, that doesn't sound right. And I say that just from having watched a billion, it, billion hours of British TV and read. Yeah, like it, it didn't. It didn't sound like a, like a Monty Python skit, right. which is what it could sound like. Harry Fox thought, from Toronto. I thought it was... I thought it was well done, if not a little rote. It was like it was like I, I felt like the heart wasn't in. It was like well, we can do the story and it's going to hit all the beats and it's going to be fine, but it didn't have anything extra. It was very much the Hollywoodization of yes. And you know, like that joke where you know you'll have these. And I can't think of an example, but I know I've seen them where you have like characters in there that are made a movie. Oh, Pee Wee's big Pee Wee Herman, Pee Wee's mm-hmm. big Pee Wee's big adventure where you know they make a movie out of him. He's being played yeah. and he's being played by was uh, Brolin. James. Uh, James Brolin, right? Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's kind of like <laughs> this is the movie version of Constantine. You know, it's a yeah. little cleaner. It's a little better looking. He's younger, and uh, you know, I just don't know who this is for. I have no desire to read it. No, I don't. I don't know who it's for because anybody who this is going to appeal to would have would it would have appealed to the other one as well. If if yeah, I, I just I know that like have have you guys ever read One Soul that no. that Fox did? No, it's amazing. No. It's. I didn't necessarily. I'm not going to tell you that I loved it, but it was super impressive in terms of doing something I'd never read before. It was a book that came out from Oni a couple of years ago, and like, it's just one of those things. Like, I've seen him put his heart into a thing and blow my and blow me away, and tons of other people who read it. And then this is just like, I'm going to do this job, and he did fine with it. But there wasn't anything in it that made me like. It's it just. It's just like an impression of Constantine. It's a very good impression. 
It's just the, yeah, the structure right. of it is very, it's just a very, it's a structure. new 52 book. That's, it just yes. feels like other new 52 books. And I, yeah. I can't quantify that, but, you know, no, but, no, but then I, I agree but I, I'm, I'm kind of with, I'm, I have no desire to read more of it, but I agree with Connor that it was, it was better than I thought it would be. Like I, I, I was, ex- I was, I was expecting sort of like a weekend at Bernie's kind of thing where it's like someone that, that you awesome. know, but then he was just like, you know, like he's, he's, uh, they, they hooked him up to, you know, batteries or something. I know that's not what happens in weekend at Bernie's, but hey. Talk about science not working that movie. <laughs> Rigor mortis, for one thing. In. Yeah, no smell. Yeah, I, you know, I, I don't have anything bad to say about it. I just, I don't, you know, I don't get it. So first and last time, there you go. We talked about Constantine. Yeah. So. <laughs> Another number one was Star Wars Legacy, and I'll be honest, I wouldn't have gotten this if not for the creative team because I'm not really interested in these future stories. We've been a little bereft of. Uh, you like uh, the, the, the Batman uh, Beyond? You like no, I mean Star Wars wise. Star Wars. Oh, Star, Star Wars. Wars. Okay, I, yeah. yeah I, I mean, well, there's a, there's no, a Paul. A no stories in the future. I read in any genre or medium. They okay. almost must take place in the present or past, okay. but even that. <laughs> All right, but so with with this one though, I think what's what's interesting is that and and that uh, is that unlike Constantine, this one very much captures the spirit of. It's, you know, source material, like those, those original movies. Right. And reading this, I kind of felt like I like the Brian Wood book less, like because I, I see what, what's missing from that book that's very much present in here. Oh, see, I love, and it's I just like this, them both a lot. I yeah, I, I, like, I like flavors. them too. I, li- I like that too. But this one feels more like it, it has that Star Wars magic that uh, – I think there are the, the, like all the pieces are there in the Brian Wood one, but like that doesn't I don't, that doesn't necessarily feel like Han Solo to me. Or in this one, it just it, it's got that great call to adventure. There's this sort of like serial adventure thing that was like the inspiration for Star Wars in the first place, like the very Flash Gordony type thing, which I got from this this Jedi Knight that is going out and they're doing like um this this sort of like relay throughout the galaxy so that they can they're setting up like like communications so that you can you can communicate between planets that are very far away from each other and that's sort of what they're setting up here and then the other part of the story is and he's captured by like Sith on this other planet and the other part of the story is Anya Solo this is 135 years or something after the Battle of Yavin mm-hmm. and so it's uh, it's the great 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 granddaughter of Han Solo and Princess Leia and she's working She's got a debt, just like you know Han Solo did, and she's, she didn't uh, hang on to that Organa money, right? No. <laughs> and she's she's working at this uh, at this dump, and she discovers the lightsaber, and she's like, "This is my ticket out of here." This this lightsaber and uh, this this old droid, this battered old droid, and and um, meets up with her curmudgeonly uh, Mon Calamari friend, who I read in the voice of Gabriel Hardman, <laughs> and uh, who is kind of like reluctantly along on the adv- on the adventure. And um, they're trying to get off planet and, and get out of there and make a lives for the a life for themselves. And I thought this was great. I just it felt like Star Wars to me, even though there's a couple things that are sort of unfamiliar since it's so far in the future. My response to that would be that it does feel like Star Wars, but it's a lot more complicated than Star Wars. It just it's just like the Apes book, you know. In fact, even more like the Apes are actually I think a little more related. It feels like it has the right feeling and all that stuff, but. It's, it's more mature than most Star Wars, I guess, is what I would be thinking, which, which makes sense. Uh, the, I mean, the thing that I came out of this is that uh, we've really been bereft of, of Gabe Hardman art yep. for a while, yep. and I hadn't noticed. And this is just stellar. I mean, just from the, the ships and the, the tech and everything, which is sort He's of, so good with the ships. Like, oh, that, it's, a, it's wonderful. Which is sort of – it's because, like, I've been so used to lately seeing the sort of um, – uh, the, the Planet of the Apes stuff is very – you know, primal and it's like horse-drawn carriages. Exactly. So then to, to leap forward and see like the hard SF kind of stuff or the space opera kind of stuff is pretty cool. So to see all the satellites and the droids and, and the ships, they just, they, they look great. But I mean, like, you know, I had to do some going back. Like, yeah. Is this the same guy? Yeah. Is this way? Who's they talking about here? Like you had to, yeah. you had to pay attention. You had to be a pretty active reader. And and Star Wars is not that unless you're talking that's, about the first one, but there's no point in doing that. I think that's true. There there was there was a, a plot point in here where um this so this knight is uh, subdued by some Sith, and then one of the Sith takes his place and goes back to the Empress. And the Empire is it's a very different Empire than what we know from Star Wars. And he's got white hair, and I didn't know if he was just like from his experience, this character yes. was shocked. 
Right. And so he developed white hair like that. that weird I, I think I looked back happens. and forth three or four times to see if they were the same yeah. face. And they were but then by the end, I wasn't sure. Right. And by, by, by the end, I realized, okay, it's a different person. He's just he's taken this person's identity. So I don't know. I think that these two are great at political intrigue stories. And if you like the, what they're, they were doing on Planet of the Apes, this is I know, agree. very similar. Guys. Yeah? The yeah. premiere Comic-Con in Chicago is coming. Is it? Yep. Do you know what it's called? I, be- I, I believe it's C2E2. Is it because it's in the script? It, I would Yeah, I mean, I would have known. Okay. I know it's not Wizard. Well, April 26th to the 28th in t- 2013 in Chicago, the West Building of the McCormick Place is C2E2. And the comic book guests that will be attending include Brian Azzarello, Kieran Gillen, Rick Remender, Paul Cornell, Amanda Connor, Andy Diggle, Chris Burnham, Brian Wood, Jim McCann, John Lehman, Mike Norton, Tony Moore, and tons and tons more. If they listed them all, I would pass out. You've got the biggest artist alley of any convention, and there'll be tons of people there. Probably everybody you can think of. Go to the website and check it out. If comics guests aren't enough, C2 also always has a ton of stars from the entertainment world. People like Adam West, who I would actually want to meet. Brian Posehn, Julie Newmar, who I'd also want to meet as well. Remember Why is the- he in there? Brian Posehn's a strange Batman sandwich. That's <laughs> true. You think they would have put them, the names together. Cast of The Walking Dead will be there. Not the whole cast, but some of the cast. World famous wrestlers. They'll be talking to each other just forever. Diamond Dallas Page will be there, and Jake the Snake Roberts. Jake the Snake, I once touched at, a, at an event in Madison Square Garden. <laughs> that sounds. I, really s- I saw him wrestle at, a, at an event. Yeah, so. we, we had ta- we had seats next to the gate where they came out, and you know how the wrestlers come out, everybody smack, smacks him on the oh, arm and stuff. I want to, I want to, I want to touch that sweaty guy. So don't get left out. Buy your tickets in advance and save. A three day pass is only fifty five dollars if you pre ordered, or sixty five at the show. It saves you ten bucks. You can get a sketch with that. So buying in advance is the best way to guarantee entry and save you some cash. Go to C2E2.com to order your tickets and get all the information, see everybody who's showing up. Remember, it's April 26th to the 28th in Chicago at the West Building in McCormick Place. See, that's C2E2, and that's coming up just in, le- in less than a month, or almost a month, depending on when you're listening to this. Or it could have been four years ago if you're listening to it in 2017. <laughs> in which case, you missed the show. It's over. Connor won't do futuristic things, though, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Never. Well, I will That's go into the past and, and talk about awesome dead presidents in Deadpool number six. I, I'm going to get this trade when it comes out because I love the story with my whole heart. <laughs> That's very sweet. Actually, they got more presidenty in this one, I yeah, thought. They, they got way more presidenty. They were, they were like, Let, let's talk about Taft. You know, let's, <laughs> let's really get in there and talk about it. Is this the end? Yeah, this is the final issue of, this, of the arc, yeah. Did you enjoy the end? Yeah, I did. Yeah, it, it was a bit. It was a bit strange. It had I like mean, a the whole thing a, was strange. You're talking about yeah, no, I know, I know, I know. It had like a, it had like a Lord of the Rings, like a, like a Return of the King ending on it. I was right. like, it's over. We're still going here, and then we've got this situation set up where the lady who's not Amanda Waller, right? <laughs> who, I'm sorry, but I keep thinking, oh, is that Amanda Waller? It's not. Is now in his head like Firestorm. Right. Um, I don't know what I think of that. Yeah, but I'm not so, so much concerned because I, I don't plan on continuing, but. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> You're just in it for the president. Yeah, basically, and Tony Moore. So yeah, um, although Mike Mike Hawthorne is coming up next, he's and great. He, he really is really good. Unless he's going to be fighting George Washington again, then right. Uh, what could they introduce that would keep you interested? Because like presidents, that's that's your thing. You guys are presidents. history buffs. Dead vice presidents. Those guys were much meaner than the presidents. So. They, yeah, but they wouldn't do anything. They have no power. <laughs> <laughs> it's really just an empty shirt job. I don't know. I mean, if I hear good things about it, I will certainly check it out because I did really enjoy it. Although it's you know I'm on the edge of Deadpool, anyway. I still don't think Deadpool's that funny. I don't. <laughs> and I can take it. The thing is, that what I've learned is that I really I can't take him in small increments. But this was a, a this was a lot over time, and it's not that it's bad. It's just it's a lot. Yeah, and I was into it more of for the scenes where like the presidents were in South Central, and why are you all wearing pajamas? And they got shot. Yeah. I do like that. I love that you guys get into it because you're like the most unlikely Deadpool readers out there. Yeah. <laughs> and well, you're reading it for, for not that reason. You're reading it for the like alternative history. Yep. They really dispatched Jefferson quite uh, ignominiously. Just <laughs> <laughs> run over by a bus. Oh, he was a dilettante. Anyway, <laughs> this, we could really get into that. But I gotta, this, this Justice League thing is getting confusing to me. The titles are very similar. Well, there's two words difference, but Justice League of America is the, the gritty government team. And I thought, Paul, that one of the complaints that you had from the first issue was alleviated in this one in that this, I thought this one was pretty, was pretty funny. Yeah, this, I like this one a lot better. I still don't love this series, but I think this was a lot better than the first issue. And, and to have 
like this is sort of the old Jeff Johns where you've got a uh, vibe like scooting away from yeah. Hawkman because he's covered in blood page. from a previous battle. Yeah, that's yeah. That was that was actually that was a really good Finch Page. Um, the scooting over like he's holding the bottom yeah. of the chair. Yeah, that was great. And like and bringing it over, I like that a lot. Catwoman's costume is ridiculous. We 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 understand that. I did I did really like the idea that she sees herself in in Steve Trevor in that she you know she wants Batman, he wants Wonder Woman, they can't have him so. Yeah, she sees that as something they can relate to, and I really like Martian Manhunter in this. I do really, you know, I quite dug this. I really, I like, I like when she when she tells Vibe eyes up here, and like she she zipped it down, like down to her navel. It's a little ridiculous. It's it's more than a little ridiculous. And I kind of like the fact that she wanted to meet the president, but she's not allowed because she's a criminal. Yeah, and she's like, say hi for me. (laughs) I would have less of a problem with her costume if it was zipped during battle. Like right. She did that just to fuck with her teammates, you know, during the day I could see her doing that as a character, but if Yeah, that's that, that makes sense. Martian Manhunter continues to be creepy as hell. Yeah. He messes around with people's heads. And he's also kind of creepy in the backup tale, which he is, is the, creepy the, in the backup. debut of the Matt Kent written Scott Clark drawing Martian Manhunter backup, which I'll be interested to see where this goes. Almost lets President Obama get assassinated, and that is President Obama. Um, there's there's no mistaking it. And um uh, just to just to just to make a point you know? So I don't know. It's, it's I really like again, much like Justice League. I thought this was a great team vibe in this book. Yeah, I like uh, I like Star Girl Star Girl too. I like the idea that she's like a teen celebrity and yeah. she's got the braces back. Yeah. That was one. That was the last issue of uh, Just Society of America that Johns wrote. Like she got them off, didn't she? She got she got her braces off, and that was like a big milestone. So I kind of like a little taken. tear. What is Five Ghosts, Paul? This was interesting. I saw people reviewing this, and I was like, "It sounds like something that I would read." And plus, the artist's name is Mooneyham, uh, Chris Mooneyham, <laughs> and uh, it was written by Frank J. Uh, Barbary. This is cool. This is flip this open. This has uh, like a sort of a Gene Colan uh, on a Tomb of Dracula vibe to it. It's very like seventies Marvel, and it like and and there are also some pages that look like uh, like back when Mignola was first drawing Hellboy, like the like the very early stuff. And I guess that was back around the time of uh, Gotham by Gaslight too. So it's just it's it's got this this sort of uh, like. Uh, classy kind of kind of vibe to it, like a, like a swinging adventure story. And the the premise is that this dude Fabian Gray has a moonstone or something or a dreamstone, and he has the powers of five literary characters. One being a wizard, which I don't know if that's supposed to be Merlin or uh, Rasputin, uh, an archer. So that would be like uh, Robin Hood. Robin Hood, uh, the detective is Sherlock Holmes. There's a samurai, and then the vampire, which is so Dracula. And are you sure it's not Edward? He looks a little old. He's not as sparkly. Oh, okay. So uh, I don't think it's Edward. But he did make the choice of of a vampire over a werewolf. So uh, and it's just kind of like it's very old school. There are biplanes in it, and it is Sold. very it is it it was a, a little confusing because they sort of throw you like right into the middle of it and they don't explain his powers. You kind of, like I kind of had to read the back cover to understand his powers. I knew that there was a vibe, sort of like um, what was that book where it's Cowboy Ninja Viking? Mm-hmm. It was sort of like that, and like so I, I got like it, it as it was. I read the solicit, reading. and that was the first thing I thought actually. Right. So it's but it's uh, is this but there's like or image this this is image yeah. yeah. But the, the Mooneyham art is, uh, I don't know, that's why I'm sticking around, sort of. Mooneyham is what you do when you press your ass up against the glass, right? Yes. <laughs> the poor man. <laughs> that's awful. I'm sorry. It was there. I've been, I've been waiting for that one the whole time. So is Wonder Woman 18 the last story of the first arc? I don't know, but it had too many artists. It had yeah. a lot of artists. And it, it, I, what we're getting here is, is what I have as my classic Azarello issue. Yeah. Get on with it. And and it there like his a storytelling that he does that other people really like a lot. But we, this, is, this is a year and a half of this story, and I, I've totally lost track. This was my favorite book coming out of New Fifty Two, mm-hmm. and it yeah. was gone on for such a long time that I I forget who everybody is or why it matters or who they are, and I and I kind of don't care. And and again, that becomes stunningly apparent when Cliff Chang isn't on the book. Yeah. It was a great setup, but it just it went on for so long. And this is you know this is why I stopped reading Hundred Bullets, and this is why I, you know maybe if you read it all at once it'd be fine. But boy, that they're they're really giving him a lot of leeway. And then at the end, like basically, like there's a thing where she rips the, the baby. You know, the baby gets ripped out of Demeter's belly, 
and then we it turns out that war was the one who did it and and then he's just at home at the end and i was like well i don't know what happened i don't know why it happened i want to read this whole thing in a row i don't know why orion is there and i I, you know i hate to that's sort of when you when you get into um like greek mythology stories and, and and stuff that involves the gods like all the allegiances get really murky Mm-hmm. And people can just make these these flip decisions, and it's just because they're a god, they can do whatever they want. And so yeah, I think that's that's a little bit of of what's happening here. And and I'm saying that that's lazy. Like, that's an excuse, yeah. I mean, yeah and then I really and I really get the sense that, I, you know, I hate to say it, but I really get the sense that somebody was like, you should put Orion in there. He was like, okay. Well, they've been introducing the new gods, and it makes sense that the old gods would clash yeah, with the new gods. I get it, but. I kind of like that as a yeah. bit of a bit of spice to it that it was a mixture of the old and the new, and I actually I, I kind of like the dynamic between Orion yeah, and one. They have a great dynamic, yeah. Yeah, no, th- no, that's actually that is that part's true, but I just like it, in there it doesn't, and then they're all just sitting in the apartment at the end. I was like, what the hell was that? It was a sitcom ending. It was very strange. Was, uh, I'm curious to see if there's actually a new arc starting, and I'm, I'm I'd be happy to. I looked at the last page and saw it says next War of the Same. And I read it as more of the same, and I went, oh, no. <laughs> um, so uh, we'll see. I do. I, I agree with you. I'm, I'm losing my grip on it, which has happened a few times. It's brought me back each time. We'll see if it does again. Yeah. No, I mean, like, Azrael's got a thing but he, that I really like, but he's got a style that, you know, it's tough sometimes for me. Josh, he doesn't give you a lot. There was two things I liked about Captain America number <sighs> five quite a bit. One I thought was that Ramita, Palmer, and White, just, they were just beastly on this issue. <sighs> I mean, this was this was like. Let me show you. Let me show you some Kirby style. This was, I mean, an artistic tour de force issue. I yeah. think they've been great the whole time through, but this you one. Should, like, I'm looking through it right now, and you need to see the smile on my face as I go through the panels. <laughs> I mean, it is wonderful. But I really liked the idea that okay, so the whole setup of the story has been that Cap went into the Dimension Z and he took Arnim Zola's kid away and raised him as his own son, and Arnim Zola's like, "You took my kid," and <laughs> Cap's like, "You know what? You're right. I probably should have done that." <laughs> and I like that. Like Cap's like maybe uh, maybe I did, maybe I was in the wrong here. Maybe I shouldn't have kidnapped your kid. And I like the fact that Arnold Zola is pissed off. He's like, you stole my son. I mean, this isn't about superheroes or villain. You took my kid away. I think yeah. that happened on Angel TV's Angel. Could have, but uh, I like that a bit a lot. With Pete Campbell was the kid. Oh, Pete Campbell. I, I think this is great. It was, it, it's it's it, you know like we've said it before, but every time it gets further and further away, like oh yeah, you want to see a Captain America story? Look at this. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> like it's so strange that I don't think anyone is talking about it. Like I don't think people know what to make of it. Yeah. Also, because it doesn't, it doesn't come out quite as much as the other books. So. Yeah. Well, this is yeah. There's another one like it's actually monthly, which is fine by me. But there's the, there's that one page where where she get, the girl gets into a fight with Cap and she jumps up in the air as he's throwing his shield and her legs are both out to the side and I was like, oh, that's that's just straight up Kirby. It's funny because like John Romita Jr. doesn't look like John Romita Senior. No, he not looks at like all. Kirby, and it's rad. Yeah, his style has changed a lot since he started. So I think he's yep. certainly found his own footing. So those are the books we want to talk about this week. Go to ifmway.com slash comics. You can make your pull list. You can rate and review books. You can also make your own pick of the week. We like to run down the top five picks of the week as chosen by the audience. And someone dominating this list. I'm just going to get it out there now. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Number five, Action Comics 18, 2.2%. Grant Morrison's final issue. On, well, that's all I'll say about that issue. Number four, New Avengers. Number four, 2.5%. Number three, My Little Pony Micro Series number two featuring Rainbow Dash, 3.1%. Paul, did you read that book? It's on my stack. Number two, Saga 11, 31.3%. And number one, The Private Eye, number one, 52.2%. Combined, Brian K. Vaughn got 83.5% of the picks of the week. There's a real chance that My Little Pony could be a pick of the week someday. My, my agent has told me not to comment about the pony book anymore because <laughs> it, is, it became my thing for a while. <laughs> so it's the only review people yeah. talk about. All right. Let's, yeah. let's get to the user reviews. Uh, Stanley writes about Mystery Society Special 2013. Give the story a 3 out of 5 and the art a 2 out of 5. Pickle percentage was 0. And it says, if you were a fan of the original miniseries from back in 2010, then this will be right up your alley. Steve Niles picks up right where he left off stylistically with a breezy tongue-in-cheek look at the same characters. The story itself is a one-and-done musing, which unfortunately exacerbates the thin of the plot, forcing the story to devote no time to building any real tension. If you didn't really care about much about the characters before, this story won't do much to fix that. It also suffers, of course, from not having Fiona Staples' artwork, though if it means keeping her on Saga, I would just as soon IDW hire a third grader to do the art for Mystery Society. <laughs> He's not wrong. Though, <laughs> though I seem to be giving it a strong thumbs up here. I like the lightness and forgettable. You seem to not be giving it a strong thumbs up here. Okay. Uh, I like the lightness and forgettable quality. Assuming Niles puts out any other issues, I'll be sure to pick them up as well. 
I agree it, completely with this review. Yeah. He's 100% right. Uh, like they, they got by a little bit with the, hey, here's uh, these characters who you know at the end. And that was yeah, a little... Let's, let's add Frankenstein's monster and, yeah. and, and Dracula. And it's yeah. like, I was like, well, let's, let's pull back a little bit. Yeah, no. I love the first mini. I didn't get this simply because I thought my love of the first mini was at least 50% due to the art. I didn't, I didn't remember them enough to really be able to get into it. But then again, the second half of the story was so obvious that you didn't really need to remember anything. Yeah. Um, it, just, it just became like a, like a Scooby-Doo episode, quite yeah. honestly. Um, yeah. The but coloring was weird on this. Yes, it was. It was, just like, it, was, it was like ugly, but like intentionally ugly. <laughs> like it, it just looked like it looked like uh, it was produced like in the UK, like on, on like shot on video and in the <laughs> 80s. Like that's what it looked the like. The coloring in the first one was weird, too. It had a weird texture to it. It know. did. It was, di- it was different, though. Like this was just like the color choices. It was just very like of another time. And it, it just looked like uh, it looked like a, an old Doctor Who episode. I felt like they did that on purpose. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I agree. It was, I didn't I, I, hate it. It was just like that's yeah. an odd choice. I wish I liked it more than I did, but it, yeah. was a, it was a fine musing. I can't believe we're up to the 2013th issue, though. <laughs> Bert Kreth, Bert Kreth says of all new X-Men number nine <laughs> story, two out of five, <laughs> art of five Kreth. out of five. I'm just, I'm just wondering if there's a rusty auto parts. <laughs> Pick of the week percentage, 0.8%. Uh, I get it now. This is just going to be a slow burn for 20 issues, and then it will be time for some X-titled event. Nothing happens again. Talk, talk, talk with some pretend fighting in between. The Emperor has nothing to say and no real tale to tell. Bored to tears and leaping off. I, I enjoyed it. I couldn't disagree more. I love it. I've enjoyed all of them. I love it. It, it, I guess, you know what? If this was coming out at the frequency of a regular series, maybe that would bother me. I would still love it. The characters are fantastic. That's true. I I wouldn't care. (laughs) I'd be fine with it. I like it. It's getting back to the the very basics of the original characters, and that's kind of fun. It's not not overcomplicated, which was the thing that I didn't like about X-Men. They've stripped away all that, yeah. And whether it's the main artist or whether it's the guest artist, the nope. you know air quote fill in artist who is yeah. like better than most regular artists. I don't think they're really calling fill ins because they're they're alternating storylines, right? Or um, or you know, but de- I mean, definitely going in. I mean, Eminem was the the headliner, sure, and sure, then, sure, absolutely. And but I think they're both just so so good and just it's great acting, and uh, I like it a lot. And I, I like Mystique, you know, meddling and stuff. And I think this is totally fun book. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, and, and I like the switch of, like the real switch of that. That Kitty Pride is now their superior, mm-hmm. which is the exact opposite of what she was originally. Yeah, it's, it's good. You said something about really liking Iceman. I was like, I do really like Iceman in this. He's very funny. Yeah. You go to fanboy.com, You can pick your pull list. You can rate and review books. And if you write a good review before Friday for a book we're not going to talk about at the beginning, you might get on the show. And now let's get the book of the month discussion in here. Before time runs out, this month's book of the month it is March, two thousand thirteen. <laughs> it is the month of March. Uh, Almost it's over. Thor: The Mighty Avenger Complete Collection, which is the full size trade paperback collection of Thor: The Mighty Avenger one through eight and the free comic book day special from two thousand eleven. I love this book. This was a book we loved when it was out in issues. We talked about it a lot. It wasn't very popular. Chris Samney was the artist before he became a big deal on Daredevil and Captain America. Roger Langridge is the, was the writer, Matthew Wilson is the colorist, and uh, we loved it at the time, not many people did. It only lasted eight of the 12 issues it was planned to run, so that's a tragedy. We never really got the end of the story, we didn't get it here. But rereading this together all at once, it just made me remember how much I loved it. It's a perfect all-ages book, it's perfect. I think the, the tone is perfect, the characters are perfect, you can read it as single issues, you can read it as a piece. Uh, they whatever line they rode, they found it. I mean, they found that line that you where it's fine for adults, it's fine for kids. You know, this is this is kind of written in a way that comics used to be done, where it wasn't all intricately plotted, but it also wasn't too kiddie, it wasn't too adult. It was something that you could you could pick up an eight year old could read and all a thirty year old could read. Yeah, this is the definition of a feel good book. Um, and what I what I what I kind of love about this is like it's the complete polar opposite of what Jason Aaron's doing on Thor right now. Absolutely, yeah. With Eastside Rebecca. I mean, visually it looks it looks nothing alike. Tonally it's completely different. Um, but I love both books just like equally, just for completely different reasons yep. though. I mean at and at the heart of it, it's you know, it's a great relationship book, but then like I don't know I don't know if people assume that it's like 
you know, uh, what was it, Mary Jane Loves Spider-Man book or something right. like that, where, or like, or if they think it's like an Archie book or something, where it's just all about, you know, it, this is a kissing book. No, it's like there's great action in this book too, and more importantly, it's just it's really funny. Yeah, it, you don't think of Thor as being a funny book. Well, Which think, is, by think, the way, the thing people liked about the movie. Well, that's what it is. It wears the Marvel Studios on its sleeve, you know, the influence, mm-hmm. clearly. I mean, obviously, this book came around the same time as the movie. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny. And it, and it plays that fish-out-of-water bit of the movie did where Thor is in, you know, on Earth, and he doesn't really know the customs, and he's, he's trying to court Ju- – um, I was going to say Julie. I don't know who the hell Julie is. Um, <laughs> he's Jane? He's trying to court Jane. And, uh, and he's, don't I know girlfriend listen to this show. <laughs> That's weird, Connor. I have no idea who Julia is. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the Warriors 3 show up, and Ant-Man and, and Wasp shows up, and Iron Man shows up, and Cap shows up, and Captain Britain shows up, and Namor shows up. And it's just it's just so much fun. And I was thinking, I just I love it so much that I was looking at my shelf and thinking if I had a fire and I could only carry 20 books out, I think this is probably one of the 20. That's how much yeah, I love I mean, it. The, the Captain Britain issue it's might great. be one of my favorite comic book issues ever like I it's, that was josh's pick of the week uh maybe yes i have no it's, recollection uh, i mean it's it's got it's got the warriors three go with them to, to england and drinking, they end up go, at a bar yeah. and it's like volstag uh like you know they're hiding in a closet just flipping through pages volstag is is stuffed inside a closet and oh and they got the they got a, a, to, a tooth grinder and tooth gnasher the goats. Know, the goats. I love the goats. They don't use the goats enough. And there's a little bit of back matter. It's not a ton. It's just some of the original character sketches where you can see how Samney broke down his costume and figured out the helmet. And you well, there's a little afterward in there that will break your heart too, where they they talk about like you know how it ended abruptly. There's just a little note. Uh, it's. I mean, th- I'm, this is so bittersweet too. Just just knowing that it didn't get to be what they originally planned it to be. But but what is there? Is so worth getting, and yep. um, I wish that the the format was a, a better upgrade, like a, a, a more significant upgrade over the originally. You, I mean, you got the single issues where you get they came out with two little digests of this, which I had, and then you know they have this. It's not really enough to warrant a hardcover, and obviously it's a book that was canceled, so they're not going to do a hardcover. But I wish you know there was a little bit nicer, but. You know, uh, the colors are really great in this. I'm surprised so. we have it at all. So I think it's yeah, solely due to the fact that Samney's so, a big deal now in Daredevil. So yeah, know, I'm, I'm so it literally it. doesn't matter that language run on an Eisner. No, I th- I'll take it from what I can get. You know, there you go. Thor: The Mighty Avenger, complete collection, is March's book of the month. You can go read my review on ifanboy.com. And, and if you ever if you ever hear us mention postcoital Thor, that's that's where it comes from. This exactly. book. Maybe that page still got, got some. That's why it was pick of the week. Yeah, <laughs> so let's we have time for a couple of emails. Let's 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 get a few in here. Ben from Erie, Pennsylvania, writes and says, "I'm a big fan of team books, but I'm tired of them not lasting past one or two arcs. A new book will start, and I'll get all excited, and then it seems like within a year it falls prey to some kind of event that leads to team restructuring, moving characters. You read the book for in the first place, or starting back at issue number one, or flat out cancellation. Pretty much every Marvel team book seems to have been rebooted multiple times in recent years, and the only DC team books I'm really enjoying are Justice League Dark and Earth Two. I know character relationships evolve." In new characters and need to need to be keep introduced to keep things fresh, but the turnover rate for superhero teams lately is ridiculous. My question is, can you suggest a good team book that's been running for a while with no interruptions that I can jump into or check out in trade? You do not like the way that comic books exist right now, Ben, and uh, but, I'm, I'm but sorry th- for you. Actually, the thing is, team books have always been that way. Yes, I, I, I you know I look back in old collections and trades, and the Avengers roster changed every four or five issues, mm-hmm. almost sometimes almost completely. Mm. And that, that going that goes back to the Kirby and San Lee days. I mean, the, the original team lasted one issue, then they brought Captain America in issue <laughs> four, and then they, then they then by the end of that omnibus, they completely new team, you know, Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. I and mean, they it's always been that way. So They're maybe so maybe the question then is, what are the team books that did the most with the time that they had? Well, with, it was particular. If groups? you if you note the things that he's that he's talking about like they're 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 off the radar books that are not interfered with in earth 2 takes place in a different dimension just as the start right. honestly nobody cares about it enough that they're going to screw with it all that much i mean it'll probably go away at some but point but even they added new members yeah i know and that and that's going to happen especially at dc right now that's 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 par for the course right there but if you wanted to go back and look at you know i would say go back and read the justice league jeff johns justice league or society yeah justice society um, yeah that was a, I would that say was both a, Justice JSA and Justice Society of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two, a ton two of stuff there. You, you can read that for for months and and be and be pretty good. You know, I, I kind of thought Next Wave, but it's kind of short. It ends kind of quickly. Yeah. Um, 
like those are things using sort of bigger characters that 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 turn into you know that sort of stay on their own track. It's really hard. Justice League oh, or, or, International. I mean, the like the no, old one. But even that constantly. I mean, that's just because that's what team books do. They cycle people in and out. Yeah, it's kind of the point, so they can use yeah. that to, to showcase other characters. What do you mean in terms of quality? No, they're all uh, quality, but they, if he wants stability, then he's you know it's, that's more what I'm thinking of. He, right. you want basically he wants Justice League, but in a Vertigo sixty issue format. Right. You know, in a way. I mean, and this is this is a stretch, but in a way, you could read something like Starman, which isn't really a team book, but there's there's an ensemble cast that's always there, and it's a one story sort of from the beginning to the end. Yeah, you could check that out. Maybe it's harder with Marvel. I have a lot harder time with Marvel because their things interacting with each other is kind of the entire purpose of Marvel, and and now that's also kind of the entire purpose of current DC. Stuff. I would say you know, tell, give Young Avengers a try. It's good. That's good because I think I, that team's probably going to stay somewhat stable. Somewhat. I have no idea. It's only been two issues, but but you can go back and read the original. Even, but yeah, I mean, if you want to jump on one now that's coming out now, I'd give that one a shot. Mm-hmm. I think because there's fewer young characters to bring in, mm-hmm. so if it changes, it won't be that much. So I would say if you want something that's current, you can read them monthly. Then check out Young Avengers. I don't, I don't know uh, the all new X Men. You know, like there are nine issues or something like that, and it's been pretty much the same story all the way through because there's other books that are doing other stuff. You right. can, you can maybe read that. There's enough uh, of them that it feels like a long run. Runaway seems like the opposite of what you want. <laughs> like, because then yeah. when you get here's to like here's them, Wolverine. It's just, it's just that's tough. That's what team books do. They swap characters in and out. That's You get the interesting dynamics that way. I'll tell you this, Ben. I hear you. Eric writes, and he's Ghostman on the website. He says, this week saw the incredible, and he wrote obviously this last week, this week saw the incredible Batman and Robin 18 hit the shelves and caused many a comic nerd to secretly shed a tear for Damian Wayne. After reading the comments on your site and others, it is clear this issue ranked a lot, ranked a lot of people. It's a five-star comic all the way around. Some are even calling it the book of the year. Not sure about that. But at any rate, I noticed that it still garnered only a 4.8 rating from the fanboy community, <laughs> which got me thinking, what the fuck does it take to get a perfect five-point rating on a fanboy? Has there ever been in the history of your site a perfect five-point rated comic? No. It takes one person to not vote a five, and then you, you will lose that five-point rating. Yeah, everybody would have to think the same thing about something, and what fun is that? There'd be f- I wouldn't have. You know what? It would, it would take me quitting. The only time it's been a five-rated book is when like one, only one or two people have, have given a book a rating. Because literally, it's, it's, it's a formula. All you need to do is one rating that's not a five, and the, it'll drop to 4.9. I got to say, though, one of the really interesting things about the rating system is that if you give it a few days, the overall consensus on something is usually pretty spot on. And I really find that it, like one person's opinion or two people's opinion doesn't do anything. But when sort of a thousand people all vote on something. Mm-hmm. It really like it sort of levels itself out. It's ama- It's kind of amazing. I always like that part. Yeah, there's no book anywhere that everyone's going to vote as a five star book. Even someone, <laughs> someone will give Watchmen a three. I I, I know someone will give it a yeah. one. Oh, lots of people. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just the way you know. That's the way it is. Because when what you have a math, that's the way it's going to happen. What about BPRD for a team book? <laughs> I'm still last question. It's like they change it. They shuffle the roster a little bit, but you get a lot of development. If, of if you went back and you got those. Big, those big hardcover collections that they're doing and you read it straight through, you'd get to know all of them. Yeah. That would work. Just a little off the beaten path. With. That's, that's, a, that's a great team book, I think. Great comic books. Yes. You can write us a contact at ifanboy.com and call us at 888-FANBOYS-326-2697 to get on the show. Ask us good questions. Tell us who you are, where you're from, and that, let's, yeah. wrap, let's wrap it up. Okay. You can listen to the Make Comics podcast. There'll be a new one this Monday. That's me and Andy Schmidt of Comic Experience, former editor of Marvel on DW. It's about how to make comics and the things involved with doing that from various places. Paul? All right. If you liked Star Wars Legacy this week, you can go back and listen to the talk explode a little bit down in the feed um, where I spoke to Karina uh, Bechko and uh, Gabriel Hardman. I did it again. I did it again. Karina Bechko and Gabriel Hardman. That's I swear to God. Okay, so I, I spoke to Karina Becco and Gabriel Hardman about Star Wars Legacy and Wikipedia, and Gabriel Hardman says Wikipedia a lot, and so it's very in, enjoyable. Just under this in the feed should be a book explode about Planet Hulk with Jim and Ryan and Timmy, and we spoke about that run and why uh, the Hulk was not involved in Marvel's Civil War event. This is what he was doing up on another planet. And if you enjoyed the uh, the Private Eye this week, I did a whole other podcast with my buddy David Acampo over on Fuzzy Typewriter. So just go to fuzzytypewriter.com and uh, you can listen to that. Fast. It's impressive. We may or may not have a show about G.I. Joe Retaliation. I don't know. It comes out <laughs> next week. We did a show on the first G.I. Joe movie that Josh and Ron did that was garnered much acclaim. 
Uh, I just don't know. We haven't decided yet. I'm not making any promises. Maybe it will happen, but maybe not for a little bit. I want to do it, but I, I am unfortunately traveling again next week, so I don't know. I just don't know. Just get off my back. It depends on if he loves you or not. He- right. Here's the thing is that what we're going to do is we're going to announce the show comes out next week, and then right before, we're going to kick it back six months. <laughs> so, yeah. So there may or may not be a show about G.I. Joe Retaliation. There will be a place to talk about iFanboy.com, though. You can check out iFanboy.com, and you can read Connor's Pick of the Week review, and you can read his Book of the Month review, and eventually be able to read my next uh, Book of the Month review. <laughs> Crap. G.I. <laughs> uh, Joe book. Yeah, that's true. Or all the other uh, in-depth comic book stuff we're putting up. Uh, different different tidbits of interest and previews and some reviews and things sprinkled in. Good interview this week with uh, Kurt Busick on yeah. Astro City. I really enjoyed reading his answers. And all sorts of stuff like that. Go to iPhone.com slash about and you can see uh, who we is and how you can hook up with us on the internets in different ways. I don't like the phrasing I just use on that. You can also follow us at Twitter.com slash iFanboy and facebook.com slash ifanboy, whatever is your favorite flavor of that. And as I mentioned literally a minute and a half ago, you can call us at 888-FANBOY-226-2697 <laughs> or write us a contact at ifanboy.com to get on the show. If you dig us, write us a review on iTunes, or better yet, tell your balls about it. God, <laughs> introduce your mom to podcast, spread the ifanboy word. <laughs> wow. <laughs> there you, you go. talk to your balls, Paul? It was in the script. Uh. <laughs> well, there you go. That's 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 how we're that's how we're going out on this one. Yay! Until next week, I'm Connor. I'm oh, Paul. I won't even be the Connor next week. I'll be Connor two weeks. So you will be Connor next week. Maybe Depends you just won't be I'm here. <laughs> are you, are you, <laughs> you going under assumed name? <laughs> Connor, when are you going to when are you going to show some commitment to this thing? <laughs> that's what I want to know. Connor's going to be Dick Whitman next week. <laughs> Occasionally, you have to go be Dick Whitman. <laughs> Ugh. No. <laughs> it didn't go well for Dick. <laughs> anyway, I'm Josh. Goodbye.